It's so easy to listen from home. I just tell my smart speaker, Alexa, play the Shake Back Sports podcast. Here's hashtag brothers of baseball slash Shake Back Sports show from Apple Podcasts, continuing the latest episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, cats, dogs, animals, amphibians, dinosaurs, pterodactyls, anything out there that has breath, welcome to Kick the Narrative Part 4. I am your boy, Willie Epstein Jr., and this broadcast is being brought to you by us. Who is us? We is us. Well, who is we? We is the Big Game Christian Sports Network. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BGC Sports One. And subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel at BGC Sports Network One. Also, you can check us out on Alexa. Just say, Alexa, start BGC Sports, and she will listen to you. Also, we are on the TuneIn after BGC Sports, as well as Radio.co and a new platform that is called Radio Garden. So we are excited about all of those things that are happening uh, in the world of expanding the brand. And we appreciate you guys helping us do just that. I've got some folks in here with me and uh, we are going to go ahead and introduce them right now. Behind door number one, he is the pastor of Forward Life Church. He is one of my good friends from Monroe, Louisiana. He is a former running back and defensive player at Wasserman <laughs> High School in said Monroe, Louisiana. My good friend, my big homie, my big little brother, Rico Holland. What's going on, Rico? What's going on? How you doing, Southside? <laughs> I'm good, man. Look, I want to say thank you for uh, taking some time for the schedule. <laughs> To, uh, to do this with us. And then we have none other than the man, the myth, the legend in his own mind. Well, in some other people's minds too. He is part of the North Texas Sports Network. You can hear his show on the Nines and Threes. It's a Dave Michael show right here on the network. Nines and Threes, Monday through Friday, that is. And I am speaking of none other than Dave Michaels. Dave, what's up, man? Dave don't want to say nothing. <laughs> How you guys doing tonight? It's good. It's a pleasure finally to be a part of this. I mean, oh, what is, yeah, no, my mic is up. I'm good. I'm here. Can you, you see the lips moving, right? Can yeah. you not hear me? Can you not hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you loud and clear. We, we can, can hear you. Okay. Yeah, we, we can hear you just fine. I appreciate it's you. Gonna be, it's going to be one of those nights. It's going to be one of those nights, I can tell you. I have not been able to be a part of kicking the narrative. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and it's all good. You go. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we we can hear you, man. Yeah, You're, there you go. We probably should have done a sound check before all we right. went. <laughs> but it's all good, man. So um, you probably yeah. kick kick the narrative yeah, for. I'm here. Kick the narrative for 
Uh, we appreciate all you guys out there watching us on Facebook Live as well as Periscope um, for the network, as well as my personal page on Facebook. Thank you guys for checking in uh, with us there. Um, and we got some things we need to get to. This is the reason why it's called Pick the Narrative, because not only do we talk about things in sports, but we talk about things outside of sports. And whenever we get together and kick the narrative, this is a one-hour show, by the way. There will be no breaks. It's all gas, no breaks. So uh, strap your seatbelts on because it's about to get on. It's about to be on for real. Um, so yeah, whenever we do these kick the narratives, we talk about life, we talk about sports, and we talk about life and sports. So uh, I don't know if you guys have known or are out there or aware, but uh, we did recently have an election and an inauguration. Really? Yeah, but before we do that. We got to talk about the insurrection that took place on January the 6th uh, at the Capitol building uh, there in the nation's capital. Now, I have my uh, I, I've, I've, look, I've, I've talked about this so much that uh, I, I become blue in the face. But I want to get another perspective, other people's perspectives uh, regarding what we saw and, and experience in the Capitol. So let's start with. Uh, Dave. You up deck. You on you on deck, son. Go ahead. Your thoughts about the insurrection in the Capitol that day. Well, first of all, I mean I'm the first thing that comes to mind is exercising your First Amendment of protest. That's great. I love you doing that, but you can't do it in a violent way. You cannot do it in a way that harms people and certainly not killing police officers and other people. If you want to protest the 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 problem with the election and you want to protest that you're not happy with the way things turned out. There are other ways of doing it than storming the castle because that's, that's what they did. They stormed the Capitol. And um, whether it was brought upon by words spoken by certain leaders or not, you know, that's, you know, I wasn't there. I didn't hear it. I wasn't a part of it. But nonetheless, there are things that you can do to make a make your voice heard. And there are platforms that can be done, but to storm the United States Capitol and in doing so, killing an officer, having other people uh, killed and injured. No, that's not the way to go about doing things. And then and then on top of that, going ransacking people's offices. You know, we had one guy go into Nancy Pelosi's office and put his feet up on her desk. You know, there's just certain things you, you can't do or shouldn't do to make your voice heard. And in a protest such as this. Um, at that very instant in time, and I'll be the first to tell you, I was kind of embarrassed of being an American because that's not the country I know about. That's not the country I want to be a part of. Well, I think a lot of people echo those same sentiments, Dave. Um, but when you talk in terms of what the insurrection and what it actually meant, in my opinion, mm -hmm. uh, the Capitol right. building, first of all, nothing's like that happened since before the Civil War. Um, so it hasn't happened since 1812. Yeah, so or after the Civil War, rather. Um, so mm. so we're we're truly seeing history repeat itself. I'm gonna bring Rico in on this. Rico, um, being a man of faith, you know, I'm not saying that Dave is not, but you're you know, you you are an ordained minister. <laughs> so I from from what did your spirit tell you when you saw all of that going on? Well, I will say this. First of all, thank you for having me on the show tonight. Looking forward to the conversation. Um, I will say that uh, I listened to your podcast the following day 
after the insurrection and I can hear pretty much the same thing that I was feeling. Um, you put it to the airwaves and express yourself at the time. I wasn't able to really express myself, but I, I was grieved. Um, I was grieved that something like this could happen on uh, with our nation's capital. And not only that, but that Americans were precipitating the whole event and actually carried it out. Um, I think that for me, when, when you look at it, what really got me was the fact that they thought it was okay, <laughs> that they actually thought it was okay to actually execute this particular plan. And, and however it came about, um, if they really thought that they were going to be able to overthrow the very seat of our government, the Capitol, where so many decisions are being made, uh, they thought they were actually going to overthrow that. They thought that they were going to actually uh, take ballots and and whatever they, the plan was. I don't even know if there was really a real plan in place. I think they were just going to invade the place and just cause havoc, do what they want to do, and even threaten um, Vice President Pence's life. Um, the the fact that they brought in weaponry and and all of these restraints and uh, the type of uh, tasers and things that were found on them, some of the pipe bombs that were found around the property, it was scary for me. It was grieving for me. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, as a man of faith, I prayed, but at the same time, I saw those same gentlemen praying and believing and calling on the same God I believe in. <laughs> so, uh, gentlemen and women. So. You know, at what point do we have to ask ourselves, do you really believe what what uh, the Bible that I believe? Uh, are you really in line with the truth that I'm following? Because at the end of the day, I believe there was a scripture that came to me. I believe it's in Second Peter that talks about people not having any honor whatsoever for the government. And they will claim that they have the, the answer and that they have the truth, but they are basically a people who are uh, who who don't respect authority, who don't honor anyone, and you know will push their own truth and their own agenda. So I think for me, as a man of faith, man, I was terrified, I was bothered by it, uh, but at the same time, you know what type of precedent, I think the thing that's what, that I thought about, you know, what type of precedent are we setting uh, for other countries to actually even make an attempt to do the same thing? And if we can't have our, our own home uh, in order, then, you know, that sends a bad message to other world powers out there. Yeah, 100%. And um, when you spoke on if they had a plan, though they had a plan, they had a plan. <laughs> The plan was for them to overturn the election and they were going to either die trying or kill somebody else trying. Right. And they they showed up with uh, with walkie talkies and communication devices and everything else to go along with the weaponry that they had. So they had a plan. And, um, you know, I, I look at it like this and then we will move on to the next part. I, I have to remember we only have an hour. Um, uh, and we, we, what, what I want to say about it, too, is this, is that. The the QAnon conspiracy theorists, I had actually posted, uh, how can you, I mean, you can't serve basically two masters. If you believe in one thing, then you can't really support this one. That's what the scripture says. That ain't what I say. Um, so I, I just wanted to kind of conclude it with that. And, and for people to understand that it's not what you say, it's not what you say is what you do. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to the next 
What's up, uh, ladies and gentlemen out there? Again, we appreciate y'all checking us out on Facebook Live as well as on Periscope. And uh, I am Willie Epting Jr., host of the Hashtag Brothers of Baseball Show and the Shake Back Sports Show. I forgot to introduce myself earlier, y'all. Uh, 12 and 6 is all around the clock. Uh, on, on really Monday, I have look, I got the 12 and 6 on lock all week, Friday, Monday through Friday, and Saturday and Sunday. So, all right, let's, <laughs> let's move on to the next part, man. We're gonna talk about the inauguration. And I, I was really moved by how they just seem to be so human. And some people may say it was an act, I don't care if it was an act, they fooled me, Dave. On um, the inauguration itself, yeah, and how how everything went out and how they, uh, you know, when, I, when they listen. Here, here's another thing that that bothered the heck out of me. Tradition, you know, forty five presidents. Tradition, when there have been forty, this was the uh, what was this the fifty somethingth uh, inauguration that we had forty five. I believe the fifty six. Fifty six, yeah. <laughs> And of the 56, we've had 45 different people in there. And of those, uh, you have multiple um, uh, terms. So there's not an outgoing president when you obviously have been elected again and you go in for your second term. But here's my problem with that. Here's a president. And, and you know, he, he doesn't – there's no smooth transition from one administration to the other. His – you know, the election was held in November – you got 60 days, and in those 60 days, the transition between Trump and Biden, there was none. There was no cooperation. There was no d discussion. Uh, even the first ladies didn't have uh, any type of, of discussion. Melania did not um, give a tour of the White House to, uh, to Dr. Biden. And there was, it just, it was handled poorly for lack of a better word. Here's here's Mr. President Donald Trump, the outgoing guy. He's off at, at Andrews Air Force Base, gives a little bit of a speech. Next thing you know, he's on an Air Force One and he flies to Florida. By the time he touches down, Biden is being sworn in. It's his last act as a president, he could get to fly out on, on Air Force One and he doesn't have to be invited. It was his, you know, at that point, he was still the president. He could still order that to happen. Because normally when you're an outgoing president and you're leaving, it's an invite. You know, please take my plane and, and, and you know, so we can take you wherever you want to go. That's not what happened. And a lot of this is, it, it kind of throws, well, I, I'm going to be blunt about this. It throws a lot of water in the face of Joe Biden and his administration. Now, whether anybody that's listening to us, whether you voted for him or you didn't vote for him, he is still, and Right now, he is the commander-in-chief. I don't know about you guys. I'm former military. You know, I follow orders. And part of my oath as, as, in the military is I follow the orders of the commander-in-chief. Now, grant you, count the gray hairs, folks. I'm not in the military now. You don't have to worry about that. Okay? I'm not going in now. But <laughs> the point is, the point is, though, is that whoever sits in that chair, who is ever in the White House, and he was put there by an electoral in an election, that's who we follow. And I'm sorry, Mr. President, Mr. P Mr. Trump, if you lost the election, the only thing that we require of you is a smooth transition from one administration to the other. A handshake, be there at his side, welcome him as the new president. This is sour grapes. I can't mm -hmm. think of anything else. It's pure and simple sour grapes. 
And it's an embarrassment. I'll use that word again. I used it before. I'll use it again. It's an embarrassment. Look at the world looking at us. Right. And seeing what we're doing. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and, and the only way you can stop things like this is at one point you got to go stop and look in the mirror and say, hey, this is the problem. Right. So. Pick up, pick it up right there, Rico. Looking in the mirror. We're going we gonna to do the uh, Michael Jackson segment. The man <laughs> in the mirror. Man. The, the man in the mirror. <laughs> I will say this, man, about the inauguration. Uh, I, I agree that I'm excited to see humanity uh, <laughs> back on display um, on our grandest national stage, you know. Uh, so I'm excited about that. But the one thing I will say is that, you know, thank you for a great inauguration. But now that all of the pump and circumstance is over, I'm interested in knowing what type of policies are going to be enacted that's going to change the communities that look like me uh, over the course of the next four years. Now, do I expect things to happen overnight? Absolutely not. I expect there to be some time and I and we need to give our current president um, time to, you know, undo some things maybe that that were in place um, over the, the last administration. But I'm interested in, man, what policies are going to be enacted that's going to affect people that look like me and uh, people uh, who are uh, black and brown? Um, what type of uh, resources are going to be earmarked to carry out those policies? Um, I'm not expecting things to just turn around quickly, but uh, yeah, the inauguration was beautiful. I'm glad that a lot of people got a chance to be platformed. Uh, the Amanda, uh, is it Gorman? Amanda Gorman of the world. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what a beautiful gift. Um, it was beautiful. Everybody was beautiful. I mean, uh, First Lady uh, Jill uh, Biden, uh, Dr. Jill Biden, uh, really brings a mom figure back to the uh, national stage. Uh, I saw how she treated the troops that were out there, the National Guard. She brought them cookies and uh, really served them. And it, I mean, it was uh, it was warming. It's good to see humanity back. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, I'm definitely interested in seeing what type of policies are going to be carried out over the course of the next four years. I wish uh, Vice President Biden uh, not Vice President Biden, Vice President Harris and President Biden, the best in their administration. Uh, there's a lot of unprecedented things that I think uh, people of our community, I'm talking about the faith-based community, are uncomfortable with uh, regarding certain people who um, are on his staff and his cabinet, uh, a lot of unprecedented things regarding that. I'm not going to get into that unless Willie asks me about it. Uh, but uh, I think that it's a great time. I'm looking forward to it. And, and, and I'm glad that, and I, and I will say this, I believe that the uh, outgoing president would have gotten a second term had he acted like the president of all people. That's my, that's my position. Uh, one of the things we can't do when you're in that position and you have that uh, responsibility, you can't pander to a specific base. You have to act like the president of all people. Instead of acting like the president of all people, he fell into the trap of being a demagogue, pandering to his specific base. And I think that was the undoing for him. Um, did he say some some? Uh, 
I'm going to be respectful. Did he say some things that he shouldn't have said? Yes. He said a lot of things that he shouldn't have said. Uh, but at the same time, I think that had he really come off the, the right way to all Americans and presented himself as the guy for everybody, he would have gotten a second term, in my opinion. But because he didn't do that, I think people got tired of looking at what we saw over the course of four years. And um, it was time for a change. Look, saw, and, and I, let me let, let me interject something real quick. Go ahead, go ahead. Because Rico just opened up Pandora's box. Sorry, I'm going to go after this. Donald Trump is a businessman, not a politician. A, B. He's a, a TV star, self-made, The Apprentice. And how many times was he on? You know, in our face on NBC. He was. He he went into an election year as kind of a backhanded joke to him to, to America. And that's exactly what it was. He told anybody with an earshot, I can win an election. All right. We took him up on it. We voted him in. You know, come on, show off. Let's see what you can do. America found out very quickly. Business wise, if you run the country like a business, yeah, he did all right. The economy was strong. People were uh, employed. Everything was fine. In the latter part of his term though, when it becomes an election year and you start campaigning, Rico's dead on, man. He was not of the people. It was more about my business. And business doesn't win votes. Taking care of the populace wins votes. Always has, always will. Two things I want to touch on uh, on that, because uh, the first thing I was going to say was I saw a poll and uh, I believe it was out of England. And they actually had rated um, President Trump very, very low. I didn't even know they did that in foreign countries when it comes to being uh, diplomatic with our allies or whatnot. But that was the first thing. Then the second thing, they, oh, yeah. Davis, yeah. The, sec the second thing, Dave, is what you um, what you just talked about in terms of running or being a businessman. I said this mm -hmm. back in 2017. I said, this dude is running the bit, running the country like it's a business. Think about how many people he fired out of his cabinet. Like it's a business because sure. they, they didn't. How many they press secretaries did he fire? Exactly. They did not conform to what he was demanding. So he fired them like this was a corporation. Um, and right. then, you know, he and that's not to say that he did everything that was wrong. I mean, he did do a few things that was not not so bad. No. But 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 the thing is that what he didn't do and what he was not way overshadowed anything that he did good, in my opinion. Now, whether you voted for him or not, that's not even what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, what this person did no. uh, in terms of, of the pandemic, in terms of the economy, in terms of, 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 of black and brown lives mattering, all that stuff. Not to say that, you know, again, he didn't do uh he did terrible in, in, in all areas. There were some things that he did, did right. In. Well, let me say this, Willie. Let me say this. Since we're talking about uh, uh, kicking the narrative, uh, he basically, when you mentioned um, how he, how many people he fired, how many people he ran through in his administration just because they wouldn't conform to what he wanted, he really took the, the, the uh, statement, deep state, which has a background in, in the Turkish um, government 
which really means in, in that term, in their terms, it means to go against, uh, to do illegal things, right? Uh, but he used that narrative here in the United States and called it deep state, deep state when people were actually trying to uphold the Constitution and do the right thing. Uh, when he didn't get his way on certain things, he would say, oh, they're, they're, they're plotting against me. They're using deep state tactics. No, no. They were upholding the Constitution, trying to make sure to you know keep themselves out of jail and keep you out of jail. Um, but again, like you said, you know, in terms of uh, the allies, there, there's not one ally that we had that had any confidence in a Trump administration. Um, mm -hmm. Most of them felt uncomfortable with him pulling out of a lot of the um, alliances and, you know, to, to try to create an economy that would stand on its own, to create an America that would stand on its own and not have allies. I think that put us at, at risk in a lot of ways as well. Um, uh, you know, you think about his policy with, with, with China, uh, that caused us to lose jobs. Uh, it also uh, set up a situation where it put the environment in trouble because of what I didn't know, I didn't know that 70% of the country's recyclables are handled in China. Well, when uh, when 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 Trump put the you know the taxes and everything on the Chinese um, trade and everything, that brought about China said handle your own recyclables, and so we had to offload our recyclables on underdeveloped countries, which caused their environments to be affected, which which ultimately causes. Uh, the, the, the environment, you know, around the world to be affected. So there was a lot of things that he did well in terms of bringing um, the economy up, like Dave mentioned, but then in the long run, it was going to be dangerous. We didn't have many allies under his administration because no one felt comfortable with a Trump administration. And, you know, it's unfortunate. Yeah. One other uh, thing, you know, you're, you're talking about how they were trying to bring the constitution in and, you know, do the right thing as, as right. Rico said, the other thing is when it didn't go his way, he ran off like a, like a temper tantrum. I mean, he basically stomped his feet and shook his head and, and wailed on the floor and said, uh, no, I want to do it my way. I, I don't want to do it your way. Well, it goes against the written word of the constitution. You know, there's again, that, that thing we talked about in the inauguration of, of, of the transfer of power, the, the, the changes of the administration. There is a reason why the inauguration is set up the way it is. No president, unless they passed away in office. So literally, if they, you know, were in going back as far as the last president to die in office was Kennedy. Mm -hmm. And that was the last, you know, non-smooth transition. I mean, it literally went from Kennedy to Johnson. It literally went from Roosevelt to Truman. And from Abraham Lincoln to Andrew Johnson. You know, there was no smooth transition because there wasn't anybody there to give a transition. Everybody else, yes. Even Dwight Eisenhower, who really didn't like Mr. Kennedy, still went to the inauguration. He didn't want to, you know, he, he didn't like Kennedy at all. But he still went to the inauguration, shook his hand, wished him luck, and departed on his way. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Trump was just being a baby. I hate to use the word that way, but that's what it is. I Call it what he, it is. I think Trump may have taken on, um, in, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and in reverence to the most anticipated sequel in my lifetime that's coming out on Friday, coming to America, when uh, <laughs> when King Joffrey Joffre said, 
No, when Prince King, Eddie Murphy said, it is a must that times do and will change. And we <laughs> that with Donald Trump. All right, fellas, let's move on to the next part of the show. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the impeachment. Um, I'm going to just, I'm going to start this one off by saying this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say this about the impeachment or really the, the this that led to the impeachment and for the people that voted to uh, that vote to acquit him. It's like if you are in a gang, all right, and you go into the other hood, all right, and you take over their turf, take their women, take their turf and, and kill all <laughs> of their members. And then the remaining members go back to the hood that did all of the insurrection and say, hey, let's join up. I know you didn't mean it, whatever. That's how I pictured that when I first when I first uh, learned of the acquittal of the people whose lives were in jeopardy as a result of the insurrection. Dave, go ahead. Well, I, the, the reason I was giggling about that is because, first of all, what an absolute total waste of time, money and effort. You know, first of all, he's not a seated president. He was he was a um, former president. You're going to impeach him on what charges? OK, the insurrection. Well. Okay, you can go that route if you like, but the most rational thing, the most logical thing is that should have been done in a court of law and not in the court of Congress or Senate. I mean, that needed to go into the court of law. That was what it was. He incited a riot, if for lack of a new better word. People call it an insurrection. I call it a riot. It's what it was. The other thing is there was no way in the world that the impeachment was going to go through. He was going to get acquitted. He was going to be no build on it. And that's yeah. what happened. So the exercise, you know, while he was in office, remember, this is the second impeachment he went through. This is the second one he went through. Uh -huh. He went through one before and was acquitted. They didn't get him because it was a Republican-ran Senate, and I mean Congress, right? He couldn't get it. Here's the other side of that story. Here's the second to go around, and they still didn't get him. So yeah. not that he's Teflon, because he's not, but I think that should have been done in if the United States Attorney General wanted to go after Mr. Trump in a federal court and put it in front of a judge and a 12 man and woman jury, that would have been a different scenario. That would have brought up probably brought up a different outcome altogether. But within the halls of Congress and Senate, not a chance. Yeah, not a chance. Tell me the last president that got impeached, Bill Clinton. Nope. And he lost was, his office? And lost his office? Well, you mean you mean impeached, but also removed. Removed. Yeah. Oh, that, was, was the last? that was Nixon. Exactly. Yeah. Since I mean, so an impeachment to a seated president, you mentioned Clinton. What did that get him? Slap on well, the wrist. Nixon resigned before he was ah, removed. They he he resigned because the verdict was coming down that day. Yeah. And he thought he, he would head it off to the pass and just say, I'll walk off the job of my own. Here, Mr. Ford, here are the keys. Enjoy it. Have a nice day. He gave and we key. saw how that turned out. Yeah, he gave him the keys to a Pinto. All right, guys. Uh, we, got, <laughs> we, got, we got another person coming on, man. I'm going to bring to the stage On Point with Charles Boyd. You can hear his show, On Point with Charles Boyd, on the ones and sevens Monday through Friday. Let's bring him on to the stage. Charles, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Y'all doing all right? Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. Hey, man. Snow. 
no biggie. Everything's good, man. I'm just, you know, relaxing. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. Glad you could uh, tune in. Uh, <laughs> listen, we we, we kind of talked about the insurrection. We talked about the impeachment. Um, we also talked about uh, the inauguration. So this is a sports show, and this is a sports network. So we're going. I got feedback coming through my headphones somewhere. What's up with this? Are you? I think it's that, yeah. might, that might be on my end. Let me switch. Let me put on some headphones real quick. That might okay. be on my end. Okay. So while he's while he's doing that, we're going to go ahead and talk, start talking. There's about a reason him. why we call. There's a reason why we call him Young Squire Dose. Let's get into some sports. Um, are y'all ready to do that? Yes, sir. Sure. Go ahead. Rock it on. All right. So, um, the National Basketball Association, uh, the league is going on right now. And of course, uh, COVID has continued to wreak havoc. Um, not on, in Texas. Well, that, that's a, that, that remains the thing. That's something we need to talk about in the, in the OT. But anyway, um, <laughs> so I think there's been a, a, a total of maybe like 20 games postponed due to COVID. But one thing that we have seen that has not done has a affected or it has not affected Ken Durant's ability to score the basketball. <laughs> okay. Dave, Dave and Charles, you and I have both been downtown at the AAC covering uh, a myriad of teams that 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 come in and play the Mavs. Mm-hmm. I saw KD, when he played with the Warriors, come in. Is there a more unstoppable force in the history of basketball on the offensive end than Kevin Durant, Charles? Man, it's funny you ask that because I literally was just thinking about this. Um, I talked about, I kind of looked at him and James Harden and talked to them, and I'm thinking about their scoring ability. I really don't think there's anybody that has been better than than Kevin Durant. He's special. He's something that's – I mean, you're talking about being able to score. Well, I've never seen a player who can score 30 points on maybe 14, 15 shots I thought in a game. On five. <laughs> five shots? No, no. <laughs> no. No, he, he, he could take 14, 15 shots in a game and score 30. Just, just effortless. So I think that's it's something special about that. I mean, when you look at guys in the past, we know how Kobe was. Kobe was a volume uh, shooter. Um, Jordan was a, was a little bit more efficient. Uh, AI was a volume guy too. Um, but Kevin Durant, man, it's 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 scary how efficient he is. It's very scary how efficient he is, and that's why a lot of people give him the crown to say he's the best player on the planet above LeBron. So I don't think we've seen that before. Uh, and like even with James Harden, I think he's special too, but Kevin Durant is different. He's definitely different. Rico, um, speaking about KD, do we believe that his best years are in front of him or are they behind him? Well, I'm hoping that they're in front of him. I mean, with what he's accomplished so far, I mean, like you said, I mean, he's an incredible player. Um, I don't think you ever see anybody like him that can do what he does 
as good as he does it. Um, I don't know much about his defense, though, man. Uh, you guys, are, this is your wheelhouse, you know, sports. You know, I follow my teams. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, I don't know much about whether or not he has improved on the defensive end. Um, the last I, I I heard, he was he was pretty good. Uh, he had gotten better when he was at Golden State in his Golden State days. Uh, what What is his defense looking like these days? Well, he actually has improved on the defensive end, but you know that team, that team being the Brooklyn Nets, Dave, and you can chime in here with this, uh, with James Harden and KD and Kyrie. Um, look, they can score the basketball, so they won't need defense, right? <laughs> their, their defense is absolutely horrible, and, and Dave, I mean, we've seen teams in the '80s and the '90s, or really in the '80s, that can mm-hmm. put up a whole bunch of points but not play a whole lot of defense. Where does this Brooklyn Nets team rank in the laurels of uh, NBA history as far as offense goes that you've seen? As far as the offense is concerned, I see them as one of the top tier teams. And it's taken a while for Brooklyn to get to that point. And bringing uh, Harding and bringing in Durant probably is one of the best moves the team did. The other side of that coin is, as as everybody's talking about, is defense. You know, if you don't have – we all know that offense puts points on the boards and puts butts in the seats. But it's defense that brings championships home. And we all know that. We saw it with – look, as – I hate bringing back up his old history, but 2011, Dallas Mavericks, they had a great shooting of, of Jason Kidd and J.J. Barrera and Dirk Nowitzki, and you had all those great guys, but they also had great defense too, and it kept them in games. It kept them in games, especially against LeBron James and, and the Miami Heat and all that. So it kept them in the game. Now, the other side of that is since that history is behind us, you asked the question early on, Nico, about – is is uh, Kevin Durant's uh, years yeah. ahead of him? Oh, or, well, no, just his, his best games ahead of him. And for me, I've seen I watched Kevin when he played at the University of Texas. He was a phenom there. Now, granted, he was one and done, but he was a he was one of the best players I ever saw on a basketball court. Then he goes pro. Okay, he stays in in Oklahoma City for a while and and does a great job there. And then he goes to Golden State. He's able to bring a ring in. But, you know, remember, he's got the Achilles heel incident. You know, he was out. And he that is an injury that I, I see he's got his game. But as far as what's he got ahead of him, at best, I'm looking at maybe three years at best left in that man. Because wow. with an Achilles heel. and you know, Charles knows as well as I do, man. You, you injure the Achilles heel in the tendon. Coming back from that is one thing. Staying yeah. with it is another. Because you, it's like playing on a flat tire that you plugged up and you're still rolling on it instead of changing the tire. You can't change an Achilles heel out. So you're, it, it can pop at any time. Yep. So I'm saying two, maybe three years. And, and yeah. I, and to, go ahead. Go ahead, Charles. Go ahead. Yeah. And to your – I'm sorry. Yeah. And to your point, that's, that's the reason why the Lakers are being so cautious with Anthony Davis right now. Right. You know, because they understand. Like, they know if that Achilles pops – that changes the dynamic of them drastically. Like he could, because you don't know how a player could respond to that. Kevin Durant so far has responded fine, but you really don't know how a player responds to that and how they can uh, kind of write the ship in that situation. So yeah, uh, David's spot on. Yeah. And, and, and for that, I mean, that injury has ended a lot of careers in the NBA as well as the NFL. 
Dominique Wilkins, Isaiah Thomas, Dan Marino. Um, I I think that for Durant, uh, I think the blueprint or the footprint that, that will always follow Durant is the fact that the Portland Trailblazers decided to pick Greg Oden over him. Okay, so um, <laughs> let's move on, man. I, I, this is the part of the show that I'm getting ready to have some fun with because one, two, three, three, three people in this in this quad is our cowboy fans, right? <laughs> man, you right? have to bring that up, man. I'm yeah. guessing you're not. No, I'm not a cowboy fan. You see what's on my wall back there, right? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, no, I okay. see it. Yeah, hey, yeah, we I don't want to talk about your team right now, Willie. That oh, is, but you know, we're going to no. get to my team in just a second. But yeah, okay. I do want to <laughs> talk to you guys about Jack Prescott, okay? I saw a report on mm-hmm. Tuesday that he yep. is above or ahead of schedule in terms of his rehab, and he's going to be fully ready to go when team activities begin. That's what I heard on Tuesday. Now, let's get to the contract situation because the Cowboys have a week from today right, to franchise him. Mm-hmm. Now, are they going to do it? Rico, is, is, is Dallas going to franchise Dak for the second straight year? I think they're going to end up franchising him and he's gone after that. Cause I don't, I don't see him sticking around cause the cap number is going to be higher. What's going to, you know, what he'll be old uh, due to the market. Uh, the market will, somebody's going to come along and set the market. It could be, let's say someone like um, what's the gentleman, the, the player in uh, Josh, Josh Allen, let's say that Buffalo decides to go ahead and do something with him. Now he could set the market next. And, you know, once that market is set, you know, the quarterback market never goes down. So if he gets franchised again, uh, he's out of here, man. That that that's my that's my take on it. Charles, that's a thirty-eight million dollar cap hit for the Cowboys should they franchise him. Is it gonna happen? Um, yes, it is gonna happen, but if it does happen, I'm kind of on the same uh wavelength that Rico is, uh with just a different perspective. Uh, I think they would do that, and then they'll look for look for a way to trade them. They're going to have to because they can't risk Dak uh, holding out and you having to pay him that money. That people don't understand the franchise tag is guaranteed money. You know, so he, I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely do it. I'm gonna hold out, and then we'll go from there. So they will be looking for an option to trade. That's why you're starting to see all of this talk come about with the whole Russell Wilson situation. So. I'm really thinking that they'll find a way to trade Dak somehow, some way, um, and it'll be all she wrote. And I think it'll be it, it. This this has been this buildup has been kind of a mess in the making for about two or three years now. When we had all these players that were coming up on contracts, when you saw Amari Cooper, when you saw Demarcus Lawrence, when you saw Jalen Smith. You know, Ezekiel Elliott, all these guys were coming up on contract years, and you took care of everybody except that. Everybody was taking care of. You got them extensions. You got them extensions. But that should have been the indicator there that shows you that Dallas was not sold on Dak Prescott because you took care of everybody except him. When you knew that he was ascending after his rookie year, he pretty much he had one year he was a little a tinker off, but 
after that, he ascended every single year. So why would you not take care of him? Because you weren't sold on Dak Prescott. So with that being said, I think you really have to kind of, if I'm Dak, I, I, I wouldn't want to play for Dallas. I definitely wouldn't. I would definitely just you know, take this franchise tag, sit out, and wait till I get traded. Dave, last word. I agree with Charles on him taking the tag. But in the same breath, does he play the way Dak Prescott is meant to play because he knows he's going to be a one-and-done year? In other words, the second time to be a franchise tag, then he's going to go free agent. He's wants to, I mean, he doesn't want to get injured. And remember, the injury in the ankle, well, we talked about it before. And he's been rehabbing. He's, he's ahead of schedule. But he's not going to be the same quarterback he was, once was before. I don't know if he's going to be gun shy. I don't know if he's going to take off like he's used to doing when he sees the opportunity. Because again, you don't want to injure the you don't want to injure your leg. Number one, number two, if you are going to go free agent, you are wanting to go with the market. And you want to see who else is going to hire you. You don't want to be a damaged good. So with that being in 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 the mindset, um, Jones, if he was a smart and he is a smart businessman, I wouldn't say if I know he is. He's a very intelligent businessman. Put the man on the trade block. You could probably pull. I doubt you're going to pull the same stunt that Jimmy Johnson did with Herschel Walker. I doubt you're going to get that kind of a deal. There's not a GM in the NFL that is going to play that game ever again. However, you can get some bargain for him and you can get value for him. Would it be in draft? Would it be a player? I would say one of both. But who would you, who would you trade for? There's a lot of quarterbacks out there on the market, and there's going to be a lot of rookies coming in this year. There are a lot of college quarterbacks. This is a very quarterback-heavy draft. So, and where does where does the Cowboys draft this year? The number? They're, 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 they're the eleventh pick, ten or eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's okay. Okay, so we'll just say they're in the top. They're in the top ten, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so if they're in the top 11, ten. All right, but even still. And being the smart guy that he is, you can always trade up if you're going to put back on the block. Who yeah. needs a quarterback? And who needs a seasoned quarterback? And who yeah. who needs a quarterback that's a rookie of the year, an MVP? Who needs them? I'm I'm certain the team that that you know Willie likes a lot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you see that? Got I, see it. I see it. I, okay, I see it. so, so this, 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 this is, this, here, here's my take on it. And then we're going to move on to uh, JJ. What? Yeah. Okay. Um, if they don't, if they, okay. So if they don't franchise him by next Tuesday, then mm -hmm. it's, it's safe to say that they may do either two things. They're going to sign him and keep him. Or they're going to sign him and trade him. That's what's going to happen. I think it's going. I, I don't think they're going to franchise. Gonna, I don't think they're going to franchise. Who's going to want the contract? Well, I mean, somebody will want it. It's quarterback, and the market has been set by Patrick Mahomes, so they can still the the signing the, the the trade or even the signing trade would be in place because, like mm -hmm. Charles, said, they don't want to have Dak come out of this year and then walk and they get nothing for him. That's going to set the franchise back another three or four years. And I don't care what y'all say about Ezekiel Elliott. We have seen his best days. That's what I say about that. Oh, All yeah. right, let's, let's move, man. We, got, we only got about, oh my gosh. 
we only got 20 minutes left to go in the show, man. So we got to really pick this up. And, you know, the news came out on Monday that J.J. Watt, just that J.J. Watt from Houston, from Houston Texans, um, has signed with the Arizona Cardinals. Hashtag Red Sea. This came totally out of left field as they weren't even in the running uh, as far as what we knew, which turns out we didn't know nothing. Rico, how surprised are you that he wound up in the desert? I'm very surprised by that, man. I thought that he would go to a for sure contender, uh, someone like uh, Green Bay. I mean, I, I know that Arizona is an up and coming team. Uh, they have some young talent, some young pieces, especially on defense. Uh, but I definitely thought that he would for sure go somewhere like Green Bay. Um, maybe felt that, you know, with him, with, with his roots in Wisconsin, maybe he felt that uh, he had an opportunity to win a ring. Man, I, I was shocked when that news came down. And, you know, I don't know, maybe, you know, with him being from Wisconsin and him being of the age that he is now, he doesn't want to go and play in the cold anymore because maybe he's gotten used to indoors and things like that. And I understand that. Um, but uh, I thought for sure Green Bay was going to be either Green Bay or uh, maybe even Cleveland. I mean, you know, with, with with the pieces they have. I mean, that defense, can you imagine him on the other side of uh, Miles Garrett and, and you know, those that, that, that those DBs and, and everything they have over there, man, I thought for sure he would go to someone who was, who was a little bit closer than Arizona. <clears throat> Shout out to my uh, Cleveland Sports Talk brother john suchan because he was heavy in recruiting jj watt with deals in houston as well as in florida charles so the the contract for jj watt two years 30, <laughs> 31 million with 23 million dollars guaranteed did they overpay him charles you're asking oh no i don't i don't <laughs> I don't. When you get a talent like J.J. Watt or anybody with the last name Watt in the NFL, I think you you did yourself justice. <laughs> I don't think you overpaid for that guy. So, uh, it's, you know, even with his brother T.J. Watt, I like him a lot too as well. So J.J. Watt, I know he's older. He was, I think he's going in with his 10th, 11th season or something like that. But I think he definitely is going to be a person who is going to add some value to that franchise. And now, I mean, shout out to DeAndre Hopkins. I think. He probably was everybody saw this come out of left field, but I think he was probably very vocal about going to go get that guy. He's a guy who who can anchor the defense, a guy who can really set a culture and the standard there in Arizona. I think that that was a great move. And with that, I, I'm, I'm not surprised at all. I'm like, yeah, there it is. You know, he reunites with DeAndre Hopkins and they do what they need to do to make sure that they are um, significant and they are relevant in the NFL. Dave, so um, because his his mantra was he wanted to go to a contender and a lot of people to include myself believe that the Arizona Cardinals may be the third or worst team in that division is JJ Watt the factor that is needed to put them closer to him getting a Super Bowl 
most likely because what do we say before? Offense puts points on the board and butts in the seats, and it's defense that brings home championships. Can J.J. be – look, it's no different than – let's go back in history again. And, and, Charles, you can fact-check me on this if you'd like. I know you will. But go back to 1990 <laughs> – I pick on Charles all the time. But you go back to ni- 1992 right. with the Cowboys, right? They needed defense. They had the, they had the triplets, yeah. but they needed defense. So who'd they go after after the 92 season? Some guy named Charles something. Dion. Haley. Charles you know. Haley. Charles Haley. Charles Haley, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you Dion know too, what his last name is. is. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, you, you know what his last name is. Stop acting like I know what it, I know who he is. Trust me. But, <laughs> you know, you, you got Charles Haley. You got Jim Jeffcoat. Yeah. You get um, you, you got Tony Casillas. You get uh, uh, Ken Norton Jr., you got uh, uh, Larry Brown. Yeah. You got Kenny Gant. You got you got a defense that was able to shut teams down. Now, what Arizona picks up is a pass rusher that's a legit, right? B. He's he's a teacher. He can teach the other guys technique. He can teach the. He's another coach on the field. Basically, look at the experience he's bringing to the team. Now, add that to the guy that that's manning the, the offense and Kyler Murray. He's coming into his own. He ain't quite there yet, but you said they're the third best in a in a four team division, right? Third best in the four team division. I think that's the team. I think Arizona's about to give somebody a run for their money, and it's going to be the Seattle Seahawks. You can mark my words on that. Yeah, I think that the what's going on in Seattle yeah. uh, with them starting to appear like they're falling apart, and with Russell Wilson coming out and saying what he's been saying, and the fact that he, the fact that he has said that he doesn't want to be traded, but he listed four places where he'd like to go. Stay tuned for that, man, up in – because I know they're going to be sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> That's a movie. <laughs> nice. Nice. Check it out. So, all right, so <laughs> we got – I got the word from Big Day. We actually have about seven minutes left to go in the show. So let's up-tipple this. Um, my Raiders – only thing I want to say about the Raiders is this, is that we're in the same division as Kansas City. Now, if you listen to my show – you will hear this. I hate them. You will hear that a lot. Uh, but I think the Raiders, I think we're uh, really pointed in the right direction. I like the fact that we got a new D.C. Uh, coming in. And uh, I think that Derek Carr has gotten a bum rap. We just need another couple weapons on the outside. We got Henry Ruggs the third. We got uh, Hunter Riffro in the slot. We got the one of the best three tight ends in the NFL and Mr. Waller. So I think the Raiders are definitely on the up. And we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns for one second. Um, because I, I thought we were going to have a guest on, but uh, this person was having some technical difficulties. Uh, I want to ask one each. Uh, I want to ask y'all all the same question. Okay. Rico, OBJ, has he played his last game in a Browns uniform? Probably, man. Um, it looks like they were a little bit more productive once he made his exit and got injured. Uh, seems like the, that uh, – uh, Baker was able to spread the ball around a lot better. Um, I would say he, he's probably out of there. Dave. Yes. Just Charles. one word. Yes. Charles, is he done in Cleveland? Yeah, I, I was on the same wave with Dave. <laughs> Simply put, yes, I don't think he's back. I, I, yeah, when, once you saw what they were able to do without him, you don't really need OBJ. But a kind of – and Dave, you could probably agree with me on this. I don't ever remember where a star wide receiver really made a difference for your team in terms of putting you over the top. So, um, in terms of like a championship, 
Don't don't tell Terrell Owens that. <laughs> and they and they, and they didn't win. I'm a Terrell Owens fan. I'm a Terrell Owens fan, but it, I don't, he was not no. the reason why the Philadelphia team made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. No, it was not. Yeah, you're right. All right, a uh, couple more points, and then we're going to get out of here, y'all. Deshaun Watson, he's got all the leverage. Where is the most ideal fit for him to become a Super Bowl or and will make that team a Super Bowl contender immediately? Dave. Boy, I can I can put every NFL team up on a dartboard and throw dart at any one of them, and anybody could use him right now. He is no, no, that no, talented no, no, of a t- no, 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 no. He's he's that he's that talented of a quarterback. But 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 mm-hmm. if he goes to the Jets, they're not going to be a contender immediately. That's the well, question. no, and and neither and and unfortunately, neither will the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, yeah. But, so so, so but, okay. So my so point being though is, any, I mean. Deshaun is—he's a hired gunslinger. I mean, if you want to use that as as an analogy, please. But as far as getting to a playoff, getting it to a championship game, making it to the dream shot of a Super Bowl, I can think of a couple of teams right now. One of them sitting in Dallas. Well, unfortunately, we don't have more time to decide, dissect that. All right, nope. uh, Charles, um, Deshaun Watson, man, he. He met with the new coach, uh, Coach, what is it, Cully, and basically told him, man, look, I'm done. I'm out. I'm not playing for y'all. And Lewis Riddick of ESPN said that if Coach Cully cannot mend the relationship, then nobody can. What is it going to take to get Deshaun Watson out of Houston from from another team? Well, uh, they're going to have to get throw the house at him. I mean, he just signed a big-time contract. Um, like literally just signed a big time contract a few months ago. And you're going to have to really uh, be able to get Houston some compensation for that. You know what I mean? They're going to have to, because that is a franchise quarterback. You're going to have to figure out with some first round draft picks, some, another wide receiver who I'm not trying out wide receiver, another quarterback that's probably going to be maybe not of equal value, but somebody who can, who has potential to get there. Um, I don't know. You know, there, there's just, there's an our, our guy who's probably like a Russell Wilson type situation where if you want to go trade for him, that'd be great. I don't think Seattle was the best uh, deal with him. I don't think that's the best situation. I think you probably want to look at maybe a three or four team trade if you want to go there. Uh, if you include Seattle in the mix, I would love for Deshaun Watson to go. It's several teams, like you got saying, several teams where he can go right now. And I think will really make his team a contender, like including which I think will be very interesting if he ended up in Miami. I know we got Tua down there, but I'm not I'm not quite sold on Tua yet. I'm not quite sold. No, I mean, if I have the no. opportunity to get Deshaun Watson. No, I was just going to say, I don't think even the Dolphins are. All right, guys, we got less than a minute to go. Um, any final kick, which is also equate a final thought. Uh, Rico, go. Oh, man, my final kick would be um, just to hit on what I wanted to say about Deshaun Watson. Uh, I mean, he's a great quarterback, franchise quarterback, but I don't think that he would make anybody an instant Super Bowl contender because of the draft capital required uh, to get him as well as the inventory on your roster that will be required. It will be a total rebuild situation. Charles, 15 seconds. 
Uh, you have to do right by Dak Prescott if you're Dallas. Do right by him. You got to roll. He, he's been there. He's been loyal. Do the right thing if you are the Dallas Cowboys. Unfortunately enough, it, it's going to be very difficult to do that. But, you know, we, we have history of it. But, hey, it is what it is. Dave, real quick. Dave, there he is. Real quick. Real Dave. quick. Hey, yeah, real quick. Texas might have given. Giving up on the mask, but don't do it. Don't do it. Wear your mask. Stay safe. We all want to be around for the next year. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely <laughs> hit on that. All right. Absolutely. That's, That's good. good. I said, if you're in Texas, day. wear your mask. Be safe. Get inoculated. But wait until it's all gone. Play it safe and be here for next year, buddy. All right. That's going to wrap it up, man, for the fourth annual, or the fourth edition of Kick Marrow. Four. Charles Boyd, Rico Holland, and Dave Michael. It's your boy, Willie Team Jr. We'll holler at y'all again real soon. Y'all stay safe. Y'all hug each other. Y'all love each other. Take care. We out. Peace.